It seems that uh, we've been focusing a lot on today on peace. And uh, wow, the place empties out when the kids are gone. <laughs> Praise God. We've been talking a lot about peace and about reconciliation and about uh, coming into that place where we're walking as people of peace. And uh, that's exactly my theme today. So, the people of peace. Last week, Rob was talking about counting it joy when you're going through trials and tribulations. And uh, many of us can identify with that. He shared the victory of the joy that comes when the trial is sort of broken and you enter into a place of rest now because you've contended for some time and now you're coming into that place where you're seeing the victory. You're beginning to taste the fruit of all the hardship that you've gone through. That is what we're contending for, not only for ourselves, but for everyone around us. Those that are in the congregation of City River, those that are outside of it, those that know Jesus, those that don't know Jesus... And throughout the Bible, the New Testament tells us that what we have received about the people of Israel, the stories of the Old Testament, in other words, the people of Israel don't call it the Old Testament. It's their Bible. They call it the Tanakh. And as the Tanakh, it's actually three letters. The T, which is short for the Torah. The N for the the Nevi'im, which is the prophets. And the K, which is the Ketavim, which is the storybook, the historical books. So combining these three letters, and they do that a lot in Hebrew. They take combined acronyms and form them into a new word. And that new word becomes a descriptor for the thing in totality. So you find that even when you look at a word, this is fascinating for me because I'm trying to understand the deep secrets of some of the things that are in the scripture. And I have a good friend from Israel. He's a Messianic Jew from the U.S. that has moved to uh, Israel, and he heads up a very powerful, active network of, uh, it's an apostolic network. Some of you may have met him or heard of him. His name is Asher, and uh, he studies the scripture. He loves the word of God. He studies the scripture, and he actually has revelation about, from God, about some of the elements that have made up some of these words. So Paul, you know, instructs us to be diligent in studying the Word. You don't have to actually be a seminarian to actually understand the Word. The Holy Spirit teaches us. That's the promise of Jesus. He said to us that when the Spirit comes, my Father will send you the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and He will instruct you and teach you and guide you in all truth. All truth. It's not just some truth. He will guide us in all the truth. So as the Holy Spirit comes and we're looking at all of these elements, so the Tanakh is one of the the, the beautiful ones. It's in your face. You can't think of the Old Testament without realizing that it's made up of multiple words that combine into this one word. And Armenians have a very rich heritage. The language has sort of, uh, after some period of development, the language came to a stall because of the scattering of the people. But you find that even the Armenian language takes the same principle and combines words. In other words, the word for uh, brown, we don't have a word for brown. We do have a word for brown, but we don't have a distinct word. We have a word that's actually made up of two things. The color of coffee. Sir Jacuin, right? That's exactly what the word brown is. 
So it's, a, it's again using the same principle of combination to actually communicate a truth. So in the scripture, that's common. So as we look at that, the scripture in, in, the, in what we call the New Testament or the New Covenant, Paul writes one of, in one of his letters and he says that everything that we read about the story of the people of Israel is there to instruct us, to guide us, to help us understand how we ought to live today. I'm paraphrasing, so just to make it simple. But that's the heart of what Paul is saying. In other words, it's important for us to know the Old Testament. There are truths that are hidden, not so blatantly hidden, but they are, you know, some of them are straight in your face. You can't miss them. One of the truths is one I want to focus on today in regards to peace. Last time when we were sharing, I shared with you from James, and I was talking about true and false wisdom. Wisdom that is from heaven, wisdom that is heavenly as opposed to earthly, natural, and what was the third one? Demonic. There is actually a wisdom that's demonic. And we have been so accustomed to it that we walk in it without even realizing that it's the wisdom of demons. And demons are not stupid. They've been around a lot longer than we have. They know the shortcuts and the tricks. And we have been embedded in culture, in humanity, to accept that wisdom as being wisdom. But its foundations are evil. So when Paul is, or excuse me, when James, the brother of Jesus, now we have to understand, James grew up in the same home as Jesus. He was one of the younger brothers. How many of you, uh, of you have lived, you don't have to put your hands up, have lived in the shadow of an older brother that your parents always said, why can't you be like him? That's James' story. I don't think, I don't know for fact if Mary and Joseph did that, but I suspect he himself picked up on that thing where Jesus was just the perfect model of a human being. He never sinned. Even as a child, he never sinned. So James is coming out of that context, and there's probably emotional stuff that's working in him that the Holy Spirit had to work through with him and bring him to the place that he didn't function in the mindset or the wisdom of the earthly, the natural, and the demonic. And the Holy Spirit has taught him how he ought to function. So when we come to James chapter 3, And we read these words. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life, their deeds done in humility. He had to actually live that out when he was a little boy. So it's packed with history and with experience. And he continues on and he says, Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. Wisdom from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving. This idea of peace and us being a people of heavenly wisdom as the followers of Jesus, and people that are peace-minded is critical to our existence as the church in this century, in any century. So I want to highlight this idea of us being a people of peace today. I want to highlight it by looking back into the history of Israel and what happened with Israel. So I'm going to share some verses, and I'm going to share them from one of the prophets that at the time that Israel was going through a period that it was driven out of its own homeland. Israel was a nation, actually it was a, a man who God called to be an example for other people around him in his, in his generation, Abraham. And God made a covenant with him. In Genesis 12, we read these words, I will bless you 
and I will make you a blessing. And he says to him, I will bless who blesses you and I will curse who curses you and I will make you and your family a blessing to all the nations. If you're a blessing to all the nations, you become central in the nations fulfilling their destiny and the nations fulfilling their calling and the nations having peace, not only inside the nation, but between the nations. That's the kind of DNA that God was speaking to Abraham about him blessing him with and his whole family. 2007, I was attending a conference at Catch the Fire, part of the Mission GTA leadership. We were there. And uh, at the end of the conference, as we're leaving, somebody comes up to me, this intercessor. How many have been to Catch the Fire? At the time, it was the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship, right? Ten years ago. We're there, and this lady comes up to me, and I have to confess, when the outpouring happened in 1994, we sent a couple of spies. Uh, I think it was January 2005. We sent a couple of spies, so it's about a year later now, and uh, we asked them to... What did I say? Oh, yeah, uh, 1995. 1995, a year into the journey with the outpouring and the Father's blessing, we sent two guys to spy out what's going on. Seriously, uh, at that time, we felt we were a church that had an understanding of government and the kingdom of God and being an embassy for the kingdom of God here in, on the earth in the city of Toronto. And uh, we sent these two guys and said, come back with a report. And they came back and they said, they bark and howl and they sound like animals. It's like a farm over there. It can't be the Holy Spirit. I said, okay, okay, it can't be the Holy Spirit. And we just left it. We left it there. And it took about eight years in 2003, 2004, when I connected through Mission GTA with some key intercessors from Catch the Fire. And uh, part of the team, there was April Stevenson, and then uh, I connected through April with this woman called Mary Lee, and they were leading this uh, intercessory initiative that we, at the time, called the House of the King. And Pray GTA was birthed. How many remember those days? Right? You know one of them, right? You know her intimately, this woman called Mary Lee. Right? Pastor Rob's wife. Mary's still in hospital. We had a chance to see her Friday. She's contending still, so we're praying. We want to hear another testimony like we just heard about the house sale and breakthrough there. So Mary, we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Be healed. Speaking of healing, Eddie, some of you know Eddie and Rita. They're not here today because they're going to hospital. A couple of weeks ago, Eddie was involved in a really bad re-render. He was smashed from the back. Uh, his arms, his legs, his whole body had been really shaken up. He still can't use his arms. His hands can't grip. He's in severe pain. And even his legs are not functioning. Like, you know, they're wobbly and he's not strong. So they're going to hospital. There's possible surgery involved. So let's pray. Even now, we'll stop and we'll just ask the Lord, Father, wherever they are this morning, we just bring them before you. And Lord, we speak life, we speak healing, we speak courage, we speak your will be done on earth in Eddie's body right now, in his heart, that he would be at peace with this journey, that he would count it, he does, and he speaks it out loud, that he counts it joy in what they're going through. And we also pray for your peace over Rita and the boys and the family. And just, Father, envelop them and keep them safe and secure through this process that as the breakthrough comes, they will stand and glorify your name in Jesus' name. So we were going through this, 
And in 2003, the Lord opened me up and opened, at the time, Toronto Church of the Living God up to the prophetic in a way that we hadn't quite experienced before. Some of you may not know the story, but we ended up in this building because we were invited to come in but didn't want to. The Armenian church that was here had a pastor who had, uh, was Silva's uncle who founded the place, uh, the ministry, and he had gotten to the point where he had a number of strokes and his body was weakening. He was getting on in years, and they needed help. So they had an associate pastor who I would meet with every Saturday. We would meet here for prayer from 7, sometimes 8, 9. We would go until maybe 11, 12 o'clock, and we would pray. And if you walk around the building here and look at the door, the frames, you may notice a little patch of oil. Do you see that? Some of you may see yeah, Point to a jig up. Yeah, there you go. And even on the windows and all these chairs, we would go around on Saturday and pray for them. That as the Lord would come on Sunday and the people would come, that things would shift in people's lives. And that anybody walking in and out of these doors would be touched by the Holy Spirit. And we were praying for one another's ministries. Father, bless Harry and the work that he's doing here at Emmanuel Church. Right? Even now, bless him, Lord. And he would pray blessing for me. And the Lord opened all that up. And as we were praying, because we were meeting at Tyndale at the time, as we were praying for that, the Lord gives him a word to tell me to stop the church from praying. Huh? How often do you get a word like that? I heard their prayers. Someone will give them a key to a church building, is the word. Okay, we don't know anything about that. But before Harry left the ministry here, because he went on to plant another church, before he left here, we had arranged to use the baptism uh, tank for a baptism service. And we had three people that were going to get baptized. And we arranged it all, and it was in the evening service. But before that, they asked us if we would consider coming and helping them, because Harry now has left, and Pastor John didn't have anybody to help him. They were asking me to help him along, or me and my family, or the whole church. We, they gave different options. Come take the morning service. Uh, Haney, you come and preach in the afternoon, or let's become one big congregation. They saw something we didn't. Avidis Yechbayr, Vahram, who's not here today, we pray for him as well, that the Lord would touch him. Uh, he's again experiencing some things in his body. So, Father, just touch him and bring healing to his legs and to his body right now, and especially to all his internal organs. In Jesus' name. So they had invited us with a vision that we had actually become one combined church. And we thought, they're Armenians. I'm Armenian, but our church was English. We have a lot of Farsi-speaking Iranians. How can we become one church between the Armenians and, and this mixture? So we said, no, nah, they're denominational. They're Nazarenes. We're non-denominational. How is this going to work? So we said, no, nah, no. Nah. But we did the Christian thing and said, we'll pray about it. How many have you, have you ever told somebody, I'll pray about it for you? <laughs> well, thank God the Lord made us faithful to keep that word. So we got into prayer. I went to the elders first, and I said to them, this is what's happening. It's nice, and it's a very generous offer from them, a great invitation, but it's messy. So we put it aside. So I took it to the prayer meeting Wednesday night, and you were there, Sophia, uh, Salpi, Ara, Tahira. There was a bunch of uh, Fakhri, uh, others, I don't remember who, but there was those. I see you now quickly as I'm glancing. And as we're in the middle of prayer, Tahira sees a vision. And we didn't do visions then. Or at least we didn't know what to do with visions then. So she, she sees this vision of an older gentleman sitting with his hand stretched. And I come and put a toonie in his hand. And all of a sudden the light of God shines. And the place is amazingly beautiful. Okay. 
That's nice, Tahira. What, what does it mean? I don't know. It's what the Lord showed me. So we made a record of it and kept it. Two weeks later, we're here, 5 o'clock service for the baptism. And she comes to me and her face is like she saw a ghost. And she says, the man I saw is here. That's him. And she points to Pastor John. I'm getting goosebumps again. So we didn't know what to do about it other than take it back to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you mean? And the Lord made it very plain that we are to move into this building. And what they had seen, now I'm realizing. The penny just now as I'm speaking these words just dropped. They saw something that we had never seen before of churches combining and working together in a different way than what the model of collapsing two ministries into one new one. You don't collapse anything. We continue working together. So we did that from 2005 January. And we continued. And that's when they called me to come and pastor. So they saw something about this peace thing. They built a house. They lived in it. And they moved in it. And now they wanted to plant as though it was a garden. And they wanted to see the fruit of that garden and eat it. They had a dream inside. There was about maybe 20 or 30 of them. And they built this land, on this land. They built this house, this house of God. And they had faith that the Lord would fill it. And that it would be a place of His glory. And they prayed, and actually Vahram took a Bible, an Armenian Bible, wrapped it in plastic bag. And underneath here, probably right around here, under the foundation, before it was poured, they put a Bible here. The foundations of this building is built over top of the Word of God. So every time a preacher comes and stands here, they're standing on the authority of the Word of God. So it's not about the preacher's ability or words or smartness. It's about the Holy Spirit coming and overtaking the person's mouth and words and releasing a word that impacts us all. So as we're doing that, they were dreaming about that in 2004. 15 years ago, they they were having these dreams. So we came in, we bumped and, you know, fumbled a little bit. We got to the point that we combined the services into one service in 2009, September. It became two, from two services, English and Armenian, it became one English service. Of course, Pastor John and the others that had been faithfully plowing to reach the Armenians at that time, it hurt to see the Armenian language taken out of the service. It hurt because, I mean, the letters that you see here are Armenian letters. You know what they say? Holiness unto the Lord. That's what's supposed to be on the breast or the, the, the forehead or the, the tiara of the high priest, Aaron. And that's what their dream is. And it continues to be that. So they sort of took what they had, the little baby that they had, which is this building and this land, and they offered it to another congregation and said, here, take it. So as we met, Pastor John was sitting on one side with the other elders, Vahram, a couple of others, and we were sitting, three of us, Ara, Arpi, and myself on the other side, and we were telling them what we felt. And God forgive us. Because now I realized there was a sense of arrogance in coming in that posture. Because we told them that we heard from the Lord, and the Lord told us that we have to come and serve you. We're so good. We're going to serve you. because. And we came in. Maybe it wasn't arrogance. Maybe I'm just overreading it. But it was an attitude that we wanted to come and to serve. 
And we had moved out from our unit in 2000, or 1999, the unit was, we were renting. The landlord wanted to tear it down. So all the chairs that you see here were the chairs from that unit. On, in 2000, we took them and put them in a warehouse. 1999, December, we put them in a warehouse. So from 2000, they sat there. And when they built this building, we thought, this is silly. Why don't we just ask them to use these chairs? And they're still being used 19 years later. So they gave the space. So when we sat across from them like that, we told them that the Lord told us to come and serve you. And we will do whatever is necessary, even if we lose our ministry. And they just looked at us and they were like, I saw tears coming down their, a few of their eyes. They said, let us pray about it. We'll come back and talk in a couple of weeks. We did. And then again, sitting across each other, Pastor John reaches into his vest pocket, takes out a key and hands it to me. And he says, brother, welcome here. You're not coming as tenants. You're coming as brothers living in the same father's house. Why am I sharing this story? Many of you have heard the story over and over again, especially those from the well. You've heard me share the story over and over again, but I'm going to contextualize it for you in modern day language of how the Tanakh talks about it in the old days. When the people of Israel at that time, this is now going to about five, 600 BC, they had come to the place where they had as a people been rebellious in how they walked. They were no longer walking according to the covenant God made with Moses. They were no longer, walk, no longer walking according to the law. They were doing their own thing. And their kings, God forgive them, their kings who were the descendants of David. And they had fights between each other. And they split the kingdom that David had established as king. There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Have you seen churches split like that? Across the street from one another? We've seen that all the time. And we see that in nations. So when James talks about why is there conflict among you, is it not because of the evil that's in your heart? The evil was in the heart of the nation of Israel and its kings. And its kings actually started to worship demons and idols. And God spoke and he said to them, I'm going to move. And he warned them. He told them this at the beginning when God gave the law to Moses. He told them, if you turn away from my laws, my protective hand will come off of you. And actually, I will allow you, the neighboring nations to drive you out of the land. And the land itself will vomit you out of itself. He gave them all that warning. But they didn't, never heeded it. So now, at the end of prayer, Rob was asking us, to, to, who are you praying to? What is his nature? And some of you said he is faithful, he is patient, he's merciful, he's good. This is the God we're talking about. He was always the same. He hasn't changed after Jesus. He was like that at the time of Israel as well. And he allowed for them to be driven out. As a matter of fact, he didn't just allow it, he caused it. Now, I struggle with that because of my theology about God being good. How could a good God cause evil to happen to a nation to be driven out of the land? And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me. I asked him this question over and over again. But I finally, I guess, got to the place that I can hear his answer. And he answered, he says, the earth is the Lord's and all that's within it. If I drive them out of, drive them out of one plot of land to another, it's not a big deal. It's all mine. I'm just moving them from one room in the house to another room. Because in that room, they were disobedient and they thought they were kings of the world. 
Now I've allowed them to be humbled by moving them and putting them under a different king who is a pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar and then the other kings of Persia and and so forth. And in the midst of that, in the midst of them being driven from their comfortable room called the land of Israel, they were driven out of that land to a different land that they may find him there. That they may come back to their roots there. The same thing happened with us Armenians. Over the centuries, we had been driven out of the land many times. The last one was in 1915, where there was a scattering of Armenians to every corner of the world. There is no nation that you can go to that you won't find an Armenian. The city of Singapore, the nation of Singapore, the first church that was built there is an Armenian church. Go figure. How does that happen? Because we were not worshiping God to the same degree that we should have, but according to the covenant, He scatters us that we may find Him wherever He puts us. It's all His anyway. We have been called to steward a certain plot of land, but when we don't, He will move us to another plot of land that there we may find Him. Think of, understand it that way. And that gave me peace because the good God is faithful because His end and His beginning and His method is all righteous. We don't justify the ends by having an evil act by God. The act itself was good. Let me show you why I say that. Jeremiah received this prophecy that he was to speak to the people of Israel. And he tells them, this is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried. This is God speaking. To all those I carried. In other words, I, your God, carried you from the land of Israel to this other land. From Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses. And guess what the fathers and the mothers of this Armenian congregation did? They bought a piece of land and they built a house. This is the house we're in. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens. What do you plant gardens for? So that you can eat what they produce. So they poured their whole everything into this land so that this land would produce good fruit. Good, healthy fruit. And thank God, look, there's other seeds that have been added. And not only did they build it for themselves, but they opened themselves up. Look what it says. Marry and have sons and daughters. Who do they marry? Well, each other, right? But look at the language change between marry and the next sentence. Find wives for your sons. And give your daughters in marriage. Why doesn't he say and have the same, like the, you know, marry and have sons? Why doesn't he not say, have your children marry and have sons and daughters? Because all of a sudden, there is an element of the heart of God that's being expressed that's going beyond just keeping Israel in its own insular condition. He's saying, in that land that I've driven you to, that is foreign, all the earth is the Lord's. Every human is the Lord's. Yes, there are boundaries that he puts in Acts 17. We read that from Paul in Athens when he's talking. For a purpose. The boundaries are there for the people to establish nations. Why? That they may seek and find him. He's taken them to exile. Why? That they may seek and find him and enlarge those who seek and find him. And he goes on and he says, look, find wives for your sons. My belief, that's my belief. And other scholars have agreed with my belief, or at least I have agreed with their belief. It says, find wives for your son. In other words, get daughters from Persia for your sons to marry. He says, 
Give your daughters in marriage. In other words, give them away. And that's what they've done. They've opened their house here, and they've allowed us to come in. They've taken us in, and now there's this interconnection between the sons of the Armenian Emmanuel Church and the daughters of the Toronto Church of the Living God and the sons of Acts Christian Fellowship. And downstairs, you can't tell who's who anymore other than some facial facial, uh, features. But the heart of it is that the DNA of Christ that's in the children and the youth and so forth is one. There's no distinction between us. Why he tells them to do that? So that they too may have sons and daughters. He is looking for the continuity and the perpetuity of the generations that know him and follow him. And he's looking at not just us, but look at the next sentence. And this is the heart of what I'm understanding. He says, so that... You have sunny increase in number there, do not decrease. Don't decrease. The Armenian church, when, when we came in, all of a sudden there was more people that were starting to come to the service. And look, it's full. We're having trouble fitting cars in here, having trouble fitting people in here. That's what we've sold and looking for the new house. But as we're doing all of that, he's saying, so that you may increase. Why? And also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Don't live in a ghetto, a Jewish ghetto, and think about just yourself. Don't live in an Armenian, don't as Armenians, build an Armenian church for the Armenians and live for yourself, but open it up and get the other nations in and watch what I will do. And that's what they have done. So we are living today in the house that was built by a few that had a vision, I don't think they even maybe considered that what they're doing is related to this, but this is what they were doing. They were seeking the peace of the city, and they started to have a heart for bigger things. And among us here, there are some that have the same heart. There are some that are beginning to impact the city in different ways. By building houses, by having people live in them, by having gardens that produce fruit, and eating good fruit, And having sons and daughters intermarrying so that things will happen. What am I trying to say with all this? I'm going to give you three living examples. Among us, there's a couple that have devoted themselves to study a craft and a skill and a science to be able to do things that impact society to do good. So they've gone ahead and established a business, hired some people, And they've started to design things. And the Lord has blessed them. And not only the Lord has blessed them, but the association of their craft has saw what they have done and they've honored them. I want to recognize Jagap and Sujin for what the Lord has done with them. They have just won the Ontario Architectural Association Award for the work that they have done. Well done. Well done. They are making a difference through the gift that God has given them and the science that they have learned and studies and the the skill that they keep sharpening day by day to be able to make an impact in society with the way that houses and, and, and buildings are built to make an impact in the community. Build houses. Plant gardens. We have a young lady who the Lord has raised up and she studied to be a certain profession. And this profession is an honorable profession. She was an accountant. She's a controller in a large company. And all of a sudden, there's something that stirred in her heart, and she wanted to do something different. And she went and studied nutrition 
We heard her. She stood here on the stage, Lara. And she shared with us what the Lord is doing through her new, new skill to be able to eat good food that will help your body be strong and be rich. And she's teaching that on WDCX, FM 99.5, AM 970, uh, And she's being interviewed constantly by Neil Boron. And she's making a difference. And people are hearing her and they're being impacted. That's what I'm talking about. We can't stay insular. We just have to give it away. Another one. He went and studied engineering because he loves planes. And he transitioned and the Lord changed his path. And he started to study other things as opposed to just aeronautics engineering. And he started to apply himself to lead projects and lead people and leading good projects. Ara, the Lord has blessed him to be a man who has a heart to raise up sons and daughters. What do I mean by that? His company... I didn't ask permission, by, by the way, from any of you to share your names and to do this. I don't care. <laughs> right? But his company just did a review. And his boss, and, and Honeywell, his company where he works, has eight characteristics of what they look for in every one of their staff people. And they review them every year, and they sit with them and discuss them. The seventh one is how much you spend of your time and your energy to cause others to grow in their own walk. In other words, raise sons and daughters. So he's been doing that both in the church and in the marketplace. There's no divide. There is no secular and uh, spiritual. It's all one. We are to be integral and, and be one and whole in everything that we do. And he got a very high review on that seventh point. The rest of them he may have to work on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but that one was just glowing. He, it was glowing. How do I know all these things? I know. People share. We talk. Right? But this is what I'm trying to get at. Why is that important? Because as we seek not to hoard it, but to give it away, to be a blessing and to be a people of peace, that wisdom that is from heaven, that is pure, that is peace-loving. I'm sure there are people that work with him. By the way, it's a 360 uh, thing. It's not just the people that report to you that he gets rated on. It's people that report to you, people that are above you, and people that are laterally with you. So he is actually, they've noticed this about him, that he does a lot to help these people grow and become better people in every aspect of their lives. That's what a parent does with a child. So the Lord is speaking to Israel to do that. Why? And he's telling them, look, you folks, I didn't bring you out of Jerusalem to this land because I'm a bad God. I brought you here because I know the plans I have for you. We often quote that verse maybe out of context. But here's the context. After the seven years are complete, I'll come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place, to the land of Israel. In other words, when my job is done with you in this new room in the house, and you come back to your senses... After seven years are over, I'll bring you back to your own room, and now you can continue decorating it. They did come back, but they did the same thing. And they'd have been left out. They've been scattered for almost 2,000 years. But now they're coming back, and God is giving yet another chance for them to prove. The Messianics are there are doing an amazing job. Israel itself is divided. There is no, in the political system, you see how it's all chaotic. But anyway, why does he say that? For I know the plans I have for you. I've taken you out of this land of Jerusalem, of Israel, because my plans for you are good. To give you hope and the future. So when we are t- sitting here and we're talking about counted joy, 
Don't ever think that the trials that you're going through are because God is not looking in favor over you. Don't ever think that God is evil. Don't ever attribute, that's, that's idolatry. That's attributing some characteristic of God to God that is not God. God is good all the time. So here he's telling them, what will happen? Then you will call on my name. You will call on me and come to, and pray to me. And I will listen to you. He's a listening God. He's always listening. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you and I will bring you back from your captivity. But they had more freedom to find God in what was called captivity or exile under an evil king than when they had their own kings. So count it all joy. So I'm just going to wrap up. Two key parts to what I'm saying. In the midst of trial, what Rob said last week, count it all joy. Press in. Ask more of God in that trial. You are in a period that he moved you from the place of comfort. He's allowed that to happen to the place of a little bit of shaking so that in the shaking, you will come back to your senses and seek him and find him and you'll be fi- he will be found by you. But the other part is, don't keep it to yourself. Give it away. Marry. Give your sons and daughters, in other words, your own fruit. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Give your skill away. You're not only building churches, but you're building things that will impact society. She's not only speaking to Christians about nutrition, but she's broadcasting it. Whoever listens, he's not only working with the Christians in his company, he's working with whoever he can get his life to touch and impact in the church, outside the church. Let's all do that. Let's all become a community that is so focused on becoming a people of peace that we can impact every sphere that we have access to, every person that we can come into contact with, and watch what the Lord will do. His promise is true. Because if you uh, seek the peace of the, uh, pr- pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Our prosperity is tied to the prosperity and the peace of the cities that we have been brought to. Not only the cities, but the nation. Not only the nations, but the nations he opens up. So wherever we have access, let's become a people that will impact every sphere that we can touch. In Jesus' name. Pray for me. I'm leaving tonight to Cyprus. As the chair of SAT7, I'll be there for the annual meetings for a few days. And then on Saturday, I go to Jordan. And I'm going to be spending time with the church in Jordan there, connecting and speaking peace bringing peace and reconciliation between some of the pastors that have been in conflict. And uh, it's the first trip after my surgery. I haven't taken any meds all week last week, except for one tablet. Yeah. So God is good. And all the time. And my heart and my prayer is that in the future, the Lord will make a way that many of us go together and experience what the Lord is doing in these nations and bring it back here so that we can cultivate this culture of impact. Let's stand and I'll pray a blessing and we'll dismiss. Father, we are so grateful. You are so faithful. Lord, you demonstrate your faithfulness over and over again. Lord, I highlighted four people here today within the congregation that have been used by you for impact. I pray for them, Lord, and I pray that the impact that they are causing now would only grow and multiply, that they would be truly people of peace in everything that they touch. Father, protect them, keep them uh, from any harm. As I've exposed them here to the congregation, I know that this is a safe place and the enemy's eyes can't see them. But not only them, Lord, but all of us. 
Father, impart to us today a fresh impartation of hope, a fresh impartation of wisdom, fresh impartation of peace and peacemaking. Father, start with us within our relationships. Amazingly, Rob today focused on how we have distant, uh, some distanced relationship, and we prayed to bring them back. And then we talked about distanced relationships between those in your body that have been broken and bring them back. Father, make us truly a people of peace and reconciliation. That your name be glorified. That we can make disciples in all nations, of all nations. That we may see nations that are today working against you and against your kingdom come and align with you and align with the purposes that you have in these days for this generation. Father, the sons of Issachar knew the times and understood what Israel must do. Oftentimes, we get that first part correct. We understand the times. We see the chaos in the world. But, Father, grant us wisdom, each one of us, in our personal walk as to how we ought to live. And grant us wisdom together, collectively, as City River, of how we have to impact our communities, each community, each sphere, as small or as big, in the name of Jesus. And, Father, I now pray your blessing over each one of us. Keep us, guard us, dispatch your angels to minister to us and to protect us. And Father, we claim the power of your blood to keep us whole all the time. We claim the stripes that you suffered, Jesus, for our healing and our bodies. That's our lot. That's our inheritance. In Jesus' name, be well and be a person that makes others well. Go in his peace. Amen.